Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Extreme Tasting League Scotch Podcast. I am Cedius. And that pause is because Dave's not here. Uh, he's babysitting a friend of ours who uh, is having some medical need where she needs to be watched, so uh, I do not fault him for not being here, but we are sans Dave, and so I'm trying to run the shit by myself again. God help us all. <laughs> uh, I do have two guests with me, though, as per usual. Say hi, guests. Hi, guests. Hi, guests. Say your name, guests. Hi, I'm Diana. Hi, I'm Dan. And uh, they're, you know, friends of ours. Uh, Dave, like I said, unfortunately isn't here, so he doesn't get to partake of the shenanigans tonight. But it also means i got to figure out how to talk and pour at the same time. So I'll get on that while I eat my crackers. So, Diana, tell us about you. Uh, well, I'm a mom. I am a child educator, and I drive a school bus. Um, that's the, the wholesome stuff I do. I also do Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I play in a werewolf LARP. So, all kinds of boring geeky. And that kind of gives a nice segue to Dan. Dan, what do you do? Uh, How do I know you again? I am also quite the nerd and uh, do plenty of gaming. That's how I, in part, know Cedius and and Die. And uh, I work in the power industry. I work at a power plant. And spend way too much time and effort on gaming and alcohol, I suppose. And you were trapped in a submarine for a while at some point, but we'll get to that later. That's true. So uh, the first pour of the night that we're going to get to uh, is the Colila 12-year. Dave and I have had it before. Uh, Specifically, actually, why I have it tonight, because Dave and I have actually tasted it twice as part of the Scotch Club that we were doing previously, uh, which Dan also stopped in uh, one of our our, uh, events. And so he's... Not exactly a rookie at this either, so we'll be expecting good words out of Dan. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put the pressure on him because <laughs> someone's got to. So uh, let, let's nose this thing and right. see what we All get. Right. Mm, good, good peat to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is a fan favorite of mine, as it were. Light citrus note, maybe? Kind of herbal. Yeah? I'm mostly getting the smoke, but mm-hmm. yeah. it takes yeah. a while to, to get that. It's a very charry smoke. It's not a, yes. it's not a fresh smoke. It's a charcoal. I like that. It's, yeah, it's good. More of a burn to it, I mm-hmm. suppose, would be the way to put it. I'm trying to decide if I can narrow down the citrus at all, if it's just citrus. I'd say orangey, but like 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 burnt orange peel, kind of. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not grapefruit, it's not lemon, it's not lime, it's not pomelo. Say that again. Pomelo. Yeah, it's going to be extra silly because I don't have Dave reading the end of it. <laughs> It uh, it almost reminds me of the uh, the citrusy smell that comes with um, like sour mix that you would mix with yeah, Jack Daniels or something. Kind of that halfway between orange and almost cherry. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've stuck my nose in it far enough. Now I'm getting that orange degreaser smell, and so I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I love the smell of that stuff, though. All right, well, let's move on to the to the taste here. Yeah. It's a lighter body than you might expect. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not very heavy in the mouth. Mm-hmm. A lot of the smokier ones tend to be a little heavier. This is, I'd say medium to light. Quite a bit of smoke on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. On the flavor of that. Yeah. The tail. I was paying more attention to the, the citrusy taste. We get the citrusy smells. So I got that taste, but yeah, there's definitely good smoke in there. It's fairly crisp, I, I think. S- mm-hmm. This would be great around a campfire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is specifically why I brought it to OmegaCon to share yeah. with Perrin uh, out oh, of the sure. bonfire. Sure. Um, the first year that, uh, well, it was uh, fall last year. So, ah, yes, yes. Not, not the first year of OmegaCon. The first year I got, was into Scotch and went to OmegaCon. So, Perrin, previous guest of the show, 
uh, and I shared some coal yellow by the bonfire. Yeah, it's kind of sagey tasting, even. Like when people burn sage, even. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the, the herbal thing that you were smelling in the taste a little bit. I mean, it's not jambooey-level herb, but it's... No, it, it, it's it's subtle, though. I mean, it's it's mm. there, but it's it's not overwhelming, which is right. nice. Yeah, that's good. It's, uh, Damn it. It's, there's a lot of smoke to it, but it's I, I think it's really good. It's not just smoky. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have a little bit of water to open it up, and I'm going to drink some water to cleanse my palate a little bit here. I put too much. No. There's really no such thing as too much. It's whatever you want to put in. Well, but. yeah, but I mean, I want to you know, water down the taste I'm trying to taste. Even. I mean, yeah, there's diluting the alcohol, and there's watering down the flavor. Doesn't completely kick oh. out the smoky peaty smell. It's more but citrusy though, for it's, sure. It's certainly some new, but the citrus is coming out more. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting more of the orange yeah, smell, and it's definitely it's orange. Honey. Yeah, there's definitely a, a, a sweetness to it that wasn't there before. Yeah. I'm getting more of the, uh, the the sour mix sort of combination mm-hmm. of citrus as well. Mm-hmm. I can see that. See what it does the flavor here. Wow, they got smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the smoke is still there, but I think it's really cutting the smoke. It, like, yeah, it, it, it tastes the smoke water. as opposed to smell the smoke more yeah. of the water. Oh, man. It's good. Nice. Yeah, it's really good. The peat kind of, I don't think it went away, but... It's subdued. It's shifted. Yeah. It's certainly, it's certainly subdued mm-hmm. with the addition of the water. This is what I've gone back and forth on. I can't decide if I like it better with or without the water. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It doesn't dramatically change the score for me, but it's it's... It's a little different. I just I just don't know which way I like it more. Well, it's, it's cool seeing the shift, so it's kind of hard to pick just because of that. It's smoother with the water. Oh, certainly. I think if you're drinking it in accompaniment with dinner, perhaps the water might work better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The finish actually hits a little harder up front with the water and then softens out, mm-hmm. I think, where the, the finish before, because it hits you a little bit more up front mm-hmm. without the water, you didn't feel it in the finish. The finish just kind of Lingered doesn't linger too long. It's a fairly fast finish in both cases, but it, it certainly I, I feel a little bit more burn on the finish with the water, like alcoholic burn or like it, it, it takes a bit away a bit of the punch of the uh, the peat mm. with, with so the water or the smoky kind of peaty thing at the end with the water. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting that. And with that in mind, I think I'd probably like the finish neat better than the finish wet. But I it's certainly a solid outing. I I, I love the Colila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is a. Where's this from? This is an Elay, as you might expect with a, with a peatiness. Although, although not all of the Elay distilleries are uh, full of peat, or at least not in all of their uh, expressions. The uh, the uh, Brugladi, as I teased Dave with uh, when we had it on the show, the Brugladi Rocks is an unpeated hmm. uh, Elay, where the Brugladi Waves, which we will have on the podcast again soon, um, certainly has peat. Uh, as it turns out, a lot of the Brewer Lottie is unpeated. Mm. Um, I've gotten a couple of expressions of theirs that uh, are either light on the peat or are unpeated in the malt process at all. There's there's some peat to the water um, in all cases, but um, they don't heavily peat a lot of their stuff, which is somewhat unusual for an Elay, because um, yeah. they're they're known for the for the smoke and the peat. Sounds so, interesting. I say I'm really digging the. I think I'm digging the water one better because I like getting that citrus up front and then the the smoky at the end. I, I think but both are really good. I think my take on the addition of water to this one would be purely dependent on if it's being drunk by itself or if I'm drinking it with the meal. Because it's both both are quite wonderful. They're just they're different. 
as, as I've said it several times, my non-podcast consumption of scotch is either sitting socially in a bar or um, sitting at home reading a book. And in both of those cases, um, that might, with that descriptor, I would certainly probably go uh, unwatered. But the the water doesn't hurt it in the same way that the water has hurt certain expressions or is necessary for others. Um, This one is a take it the way you want it. Certainly both both are quite good. Excellent. So Mm -hmm. finish this off and we'll get to the scoring here. Hopefully we won't completely burn through the two bottles without Dave to slow us down. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, we, we, we call Dave the pacer to make sure we stay on task, but that's because I usually do a little bit more interview portion uh, with the guests. And so I suppose, in fairness, I could let you guys talk some more. So, um, talk about. Uh, well, but what could we talk about? Uh, well, I mentioned the submarine thing. Talk, talk about how you were LARPing you with go. us and then ran away. <laughs> Well, it was uh, a plan that was kind of idly in the back of my mind until college didn't turn out as planned, and so the military was plan B. And in doing so, I chose the, uh, the Navy's nuclear program and, and mm. went and was trained as a electrician in addition to the nuclear field of things, and ended up thereafter on a Los Angeles class fast attack submarine. And you were stuck in a tin can for how long? Uh, the longest at one single time was two months at one, on station on deployment. But the my entire tour of duty was four months, or excuse me, four years, two months, and I think a couple of days, two, three days, something like that. Wow. Parts of it were long and tedious. Other parts were simultaneously fascinating, but high stress. So mm-hmm. all in all, a, a good learning experience, if a painful one. Now the, now, the the time frame when you were serving, I'm trying to remember exactly year-wise or what was going on in the world, like how much much action, you know, in, in terms of, of describing things when you see, like how, how many times did you get sent into interesting situations, let's say that? Uh, well, it, that would be entirely on deployment. Um, when not on deployment, we in particular did a lot of sort of practice sort of things. So be like practicing firing torpedoes and missiles and fake stuff like that, which is it's like learning how to drive a car. Similar concept. that I, I didn't part, partake in the, the shooting of weapons because that wasn't my job. My job was to, as we like to put it, push. Propulsion and power were, mm-hmm. were my areas of expertise, and so that's that's what I did. In fact, I didn't even have the clearance to know a lot of what we did. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. We, I thought it would be a fun story, folks, instead <laughs> No, I'm just going down. No, one of the one of the guys on deployment had the uh, had the foresight to bring along a, a small uh, server and set up a, a Wi-Fi access to it, and so we had four terabytes of random movies to watch. Hmm. Kept us entertained. Yeah. We pulled into some really cool places. We did some really cool stuff, but I'm not allowed to talk about it here. I was going to say, <laughs> how, how, how much of this can you say? And it's going to be next to nothing. No, we we uh, it was a Mediterranean run. So we went through the Mediterranean Sea and the Suez Canal. And we were over in the uh, Persian Gulf doing various things. And we made world news at least once that I'm aware of. Hey, there you go. So exciting, but not enough detail for me to be able to point <laughs> you back at the Googles and say, see, he was there. Right. No, 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 you'd never see my name. In fact, most, well, of, right, but... most, most of the reporting that we saw on the, on the matter was what has kind of shaped, I think, a lot of the military's views on the news and why they're fans of Fox News, because Fox News was the only 
world news institution that actually got it and got the facts anywhere mm-hmm. near correct of what actually happened. Wow. Most of the other ones totally <laughs> comically got things wrong. Like, not even close to what, what the reality of it I, I imagine the sources are probably uh, significantly different, too. So well, that's yeah. part of it, yeah. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, before we go any further, I, I, I was going to skip to the scoring, and then I realized there's that whole pretentious reading of the notes that Dave does. And without Dave, I guess I have to wing it. I think pretentious. I, well, I don't have to pretend to be pretentious. I have to pretend how I don't pretentiously read notes. Each expression of Kol Ela reflects the special quality of the light at this remote Ela distillery, where sublime malt whiskies have been made for over 160 years. Together, they picture a day in its secret cove on the Isle. I'm sorry, on the Sound of Ela. The smoothness and fine balance of Kol Ela 12 years suggests the rounded shape of the stills, softly outlined in a cloudy day's first glimpse of the sun. Fresh and fruity, it has a classic expression of the Kolila character, first seen in 1846. Here are those spicy sea air aromas and sweet, smoky, dry flavors, elegantly expressed with a clarity and balance that come from perfect maturation. Yeah, Dave does it better. <coughs> and without Dave here, I have full rights to declare utter and complete cork dorkery. Um, it's a lot of flowery language, but it doesn't really tell you much of anything. I mean, yes, there is the smoky flavor, but it re- that that description would not, I think, fairly characterize uh, in any meaningful way what we drank here. Uh, if you were reading that descriptor and comparing it to other bottles, you'd have no idea what you were getting. So, yeah, cork story. It's just to make it sound, oh, cool. I want to be there. I'm going to buy this scotch. That's all. Yeah, the, the problem is... It's advertising. It, well, it, well, right, it's advertising, but if it doesn't tell you what the product is, and, and, and everyone uses the same level of vague descriptors mm-hmm. and flowery language, it doesn't help you decide. Right. And so uh, we, we are fans of those scotches that actually, you know, directly and, and succinctly tell you this is what you're going to get in this bottle and not try to dance too much around it. I mean, be poetic about it, sure, but say what you mean, man. Don't, you know, don't give it a much of... Say what you mean in, in a way that someone else can understand what you're right. saying. Yeah. Be, 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 be specific in your descriptions. Uh, this, this descriptor, I think, is a space-eyed level of vague which is pretty unusual out of an Ely. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say that that description moves me in any fashion as, as much as the flavor of the scotch itself does. So, um, with that in mind, I, I will score it first. This, this is a favorite of mine. I really like it. Um, I like that it smooths out a little bit with the water. I prefer it neat personally. It's got a nice kick to it um, without being, like, punch you in the face like the Freud 12-year, or I'm sorry, the 10-year. Um, but it's still got a lot of, of uh, smoke and peat flavor to it. There's a light fruit to it. Overall, really, really good. I give it a 4-3. Oh, decimals. Yes, decimals are allowed. Oh, you're the big boys now. Yeah, well, we, we decided just a straight five-point scale, uh, one being crap and five being nectar of the gods, uh, three being average. It was not... There's nuance, and you can't do nuance with only five selectors. Um, you can't really do nuance with ten as far as we're concerned. So, you know, we, we, we certainly allow decimals, although outside of Bob Oberti uh, doing weird things like I, 
Um, <laughs> and I'm, we're waiting for someone to, to, to rate something as pie. But, you know, legitimate ratings, please. Uh, if, you're, if your legitimate rating is 3.1415, by all means, say pie. But, you know, unless that's really what you mean. Don't just be a dink. Don't just be a dink. We love you, Bob. But I, seriously, anyway. It's not even within the range of 1 to 5. No, it really isn't. I tried pointing that out. And <laughs> it's Bob. There's only so much you can point out to Bob. But he was a good guest, so hey. Oh, you're going to get me. Okay. Sure. Um, well, I probably only drunk six or seven scotches paying attention on purpose to how they tasted. So um, I'm not sure I would know Nectar of the Gods if I tasted but this might be the, my favorite one that I've tasted so far. Well. So I would say four and a half. Okay. So I like that. Uh, I do like the smoky, peaty stuff in scotch, but I also don't want to only taste that. And this had a good balance of the different flavors that, that I like in the Well, on, on, on the scoring system, you, you know, you not have to score it exclusively within your, your, your uh, you know, scotches that you've drunk. I mean, this, in all things you ever consumed as a, as a beverage. Oh, all things? Like, it was pretty fucking awesome. So I'm going to call I'm going to say 4.5 with the, assu- with the assumption there may be some, maybe something better. But, I don't know, hard for me to imagine what's something. Maybe three, four and three quarters if you're pushing me to... See, see I, I really love the, the Kalila, and even I'm not reading it that highly. I, right. I should probably give it a 4.4. Four. I mean, it, it's really close to the Yamazaki for me, which I think I rated a 4.5. I'd have to go back and double-check. But, uh, yeah, this is right up there for me with the Yamazaki. I think most people would probably not rate this as highly, but dies right up there with me, so. I'm actually sitting there drinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and it's so yummy, it's so yummy, it's so yummy. Oh, wait, i got to make words for this and describe it, so it was really awesome. Okay. I think I would probably go about a four and a quarter with this. It's a, it's a solid scotch. I would certainly buy it myself. I'd certainly get a bottle for myself. And I very much admire that you get a pretty distinctly different whole presentation by adding water to it. Mm-hmm. it. It gives you two almost totally different drinks out of one bottle, and that's pretty impressive. The one thing I'm, I'm going to go back and say that I, I recall from, from conversations Dave and I had with, with Jesse and Darren back in the Scotch Club, we actually ended up, as I said, doing this one twice because the first night we tasted it, it was the last of the cycle of the night. And we'd been giving ourselves fairly generous pours <laughs> of what we'd had earlier in the evening. And so by the time we got to, to writing the notes for this one, we're all like, yeah, it's good. This is tasty. Yeah. I like it. And we yeah. were not really specific about it at all. And so we tasted it first the next cycle. Um, when we thought about it, in terms of things, it does a lot of different things. It's got the smoke and the peat. It's got a little bit of fruit. It's got some good smoothness. But we've had scotches that did individually those things better. But this one, I think, did everything all together, really, really right, well. Right. Um, I like the balance of that. Yeah. It, it, it's, I like the herbal taste. You know, you actually yeah. tell that peat comes from plants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on, 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 a, on a ten point scale of things, if, if smoke is rated, you know, independently from peat is independently rated from smooth, you know, this does everything at a seven, where yeah. most things do something at an eight or nine, and then five or less for everything else. And so, like, this this just overall rates highly in all individual categories that we, we've been rating. And so I, I think that's why it rates so highly with me. I uh, I don't believe Dave would have rated it as highly, but I'll, I'll let Dave give his own uh, commentary, perhaps, in, in a comment or uh, a subsequent uh, mini-release, um, if maybe <laughs> we can find some time later. But uh, as I start pouring the second one, I will let... Uh, I say a little bit more about something exciting that goes on with her. If we want to 
Well, this episode I, is going to be coming out August one, so we could pimp the show this weekend. I, we could. I can't. I can't start cold, so thank you for giving me a topic to talk about because you know me really well. And yeah. Anything I do in Amazon cable, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and August third, we're having a show at the Uptown Theater, midnight ish. I think it's our official time. Um, That's right. I don't usually play Frankenfurter, but this time I am. Um, I played Frank for a long time, but I haven't done it in a while. So it's going to be big fun. Um, we've got a new Columbia who I'm really excited about seeing. She really seems to, I mean, she seems to be the character really well, and she actually dances. So I'm really looking That'll forward to seeing her. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing her tap dance. She says she's wow. most solid on okay. floor show and tap dance. Wow, okay. So we'll, we'll see. Those, those are the things she's worked the most. Yeah, uh, Roxy's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm likely to actually come out to the show to watch, even though I'm technically mm-hmm. not officially part of anything anymore. But I, I, technically, as much as I've quit, I'm still emergency cast member as necessary. I'm hoping that anyone who's been on cast doesn't piss us off too bad. So emergency cast member well, necessary. Right, but anyone who's been around for 15 years yeah. doesn't really ever get to quit. So you know, this is this is my problem. But yeah. uh, so so there's that. Uh, touched on being a mom. You, you know, not too much more to say on that really. Um, bus driving thing. How did you swing into that? Um, well, I moved here. In, 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 the, in the summertime, and I was canvassing for the Sierra Club and HRC, and I found out that we were expected to canvas, and this is outdoors, until 20 below, and I moved here from Memphis, and I could not handle that, so I was kind of freaking out, and my roommate in, like, this little, like, neighborhood newspaper saw an ad for school bus drivers. She said, you could do that. And I was like, I don't even have a license. Are you kidding me? But I went in and did the training and passed my road test, so I just kind of fell into it by luck. A lot of people fall into jobs that way, so yeah. that's not really that much of a surprise. So, but I like it. I've done it for 14 years now. Wow. It's a good combination of predictable and no telling what's going to happen. Because <laughs> the route, utterly predictable. The kid, utterly unpredictable. And the weather. And the weather, yeah. And the ties, yeah. Being a school bus driver in St. Paul in the winter with all those hills is exciting in the bad ways. <laughs> so, so, do you think you or the children pray for snow days harder? Well, when it comes time, I to. think they pray harder because they still have faith. I've seen one snow day, one in 14 years. Yeah, Minnesota is notorious for it having to be a really bad day before snow days get called. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I grew up in a small town that uh, called snow days fairly often because we had very few plows. Right. And so it, it was a little bit more of a can they get the roads done in a reasonable time such that we can get the kids to school. And, and so when I moved up to the Twin Cities and heard that they basically almost never call yeah. off school because they got you know, dozens of plows on the road in the middle of the night and then the snow's coming down yeah. to make sure that you go. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I, I, I did get a good giggle when I was in college that there, there was a particular snowstorm where the governor called school off <laughs> statewide and that counted the colleges wow. um, that, that were not private and could make up their own minds. And so I, I actually got a snow day in college um, which amused the, the crap out of me. Well, in Memphis, we got snow days every year. I mean, two inches falls, three mm-hmm. inches. People don't know how to deal with that. You know? so they actually had school days built into our calendar. So, and I think, I think the, the, the elementary school I grew up in had, I think, six snow days built mm-hmm. into the calendar, and we ended up using them most of the time. There were a couple of seasons that we ended up having extra school days at the end of the year because they actually went past our lot. Yeah, so. yeah. But we have gone okay. and we, we've gone and poured the Macallan 12 year, which yeah. is the second scotch we are doing for this evening. This one's very pretty. 
Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's a it's a nice deep amber color as opposed to the the Coleula's um, yellower. Yeah. Um, now, as, as mentioned before, uh, former guest on the show, uh, Jesse, and a uh, member of the club that Dave and I were in, this is uh, his go-to distillery. And, and the 12, he has not not had a bottle on his shelf in years. This is a good rep, the, 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 the 12. The 12 is his go-to. Um, he has done you know the, the higher years, uh, but they get pricey really fast. Um, McKellen is a, is a distillery with a fine reputation, uh, and, and, and Jesse certainly enjoys it, and uh, everyone at the table knows that, that Jesse's a man of taste, and so he, he, he does not go through the crap, so we have high expectations for the uh, for the tasting here, whether it measures up the Colila, which yeah, is the part for the eye. I'm very excited to see that. I don't know. That's pretty good. So uh, That's pretty good. let's give this a bit of a nosing here. A lot less smoke. Oh, certainly not. Not hardly any smoke at all. No, no, no peat here either. It's more like what you'd expect a whiskey to be. It's kind of bourbon-y, if that makes sense. It's not overwhelmingly strong, just straight alcohol smell right. to it. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's uh, it, It's got a bit of, of a wood sort of smell to mm-hmm. it. It smells very mm-hmm. smooth. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's, there's definitely an oak smell. Um, like that vanilla that goes along with oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the vanilla I'm getting. I'm not getting vanilla vanilla, but I'm right. getting you know that. There's a, I'm debating, is it caramel or is it toffee? I'm not sure which one. I think I'm thinking butterscotch. Ooh. No pun intended. But no, yeah. no. Yeah. It, t- yeah. it smells like that's, it's going to taste sweet. That, yeah. That's, uh, like it no. smells like it's going to be really sweet. You, I know mean, it's you, not. You, you, you say that now, and yeah, it's gone solid butterscotch. So, you know, if, if Darren were here, Darren would be the way to determine. Because Darren is a fiend for butterscotch. I mean, I thought I liked butterscotch. Man, that man. Now, I'm not saying this just because I'm a Twin Peaks fan, but I do smell banana. Yeah, I see where you're going. A little bit, a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll try. Be a phenol or an ethyl. I'll, I'll I'll try not to let that get in the way because I'm not a banana person personally. But yeah, no, there's there, there's a ripe banana smell underneath the uh, underneath the butterscotch. Pecans maybe. A little nuttiness maybe, and pecan would be the nut I'd go to. So yeah, you 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 have got a pretty sensitive nose here. Usually I'm not that much of a yes man about other people's <laughs> notes, and I'm with you on that. Actually, now it's kind of going hazelnut on me. Oh yeah, I can see that too. But that just might be nut with butterscotch is going to go to hazelnut. I mean, it, it could also be almond. It's somewhere. It's somewhere between the two. I would two. say almonds, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault you for saying almonds. I'd go more hazelnut, but yeah, it's there, there's a nut of some kind. Yeah, it. it's yeah. it's appealing. Yeah, I, 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 I think at this point I'm going to get you know I'm crossing butterscotch and amaretto in my nose here. Yeah. And so that'd be that'd definitely be hazelnut. So let's move on to tasting it okay. here. Not too much of a, of a of a kick. I mean, there's, there's definitely mm-hmm. a little alcohol burn, but it, it, it's a warm yeah. alcohol. It's not, oh my god, alcohol. It's it's nice. It's there's not. a bit of spice to that too. Yeah, yes. definitely. That's definitely. good. It's it, it complements the uh, it complements the body nicely. Yeah, it's getting more grainy first, but yeah. I'm getting a very very smooth uh, tail on that. Very smooth aftertaste to that. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's smooth, and again, I would certainly call it a warm finish mm-hmm. um it, it, it sits nice not heavily but it, it right. sits it's nice, nicely yes yeah it does have more body than that yeah it, yeah certainly certainly a medium body to this one it, it bordering on heavy but it covers the palate nicely it's mm-hmm. it's it's there you're aware of it but it's not overwhelming this would go great with the steak yes yeah and i think that might be why ice jesse cream. has it as his, <laughs> his go-to for ice cream yeah a vanilla, anything with vanilla in it, mm-hmm. kind yeah, of ice cream. Yeah, definitely vanilla. Yeah, like the vanilla is really nice, mm-hmm. and the nuts. 
Yeah, especially at the end, I'm really getting the, the vanilla and, and, and nuts more. Yeah. It's tasting more hazelnutty to me than it was yeah. smelling. Yeah. Flavor-wise, yeah, I'm definitely getting a bit of a, a little bit of wood, <clears throat> a little bit of a little yeah. bit of the nut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the flavor is not jumping out at me the same way that the flavor of the Colila was hitting me. I'm, I'm, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a more subtle flavor. It's, I'm having a harder time describing it. I, I would call it smoother, too. I'm, I'm getting a bit more of the nut of the smell after having had it in my mouth now, but it's it's mm-hmm. good. Comparing neat to neat, I will give you the smoother. Yeah, mm-hmm. so far. So, <clears throat> that in mind, because I don't really have much more I can say about the body at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch mine with a little bit of water here. Just a light little kiss, just enough to wake up. Wake up, Scotch. Pass my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that the the butterscotch smell gets softer. I think the ripe banana comes out a little bit more. I'm getting more of the uh, the nut aroma <laughs> the nuts, to it yeah. as well. But I, I, I'm getting catching that banana you mentioned as well. But does the hair more water in? It's it's kind of hard to, to think after how I, I thought how pleasantly how pleasingly smooth it was neat. Um, but adding the water actually makes it. I mean, it's even smoother. I I find it rather appealing. Yeah, it's good. I don't think, I think this one has as many flavors in it as the other one mm-hmm. does. But I do like the flavors in this. Yeah. It's, it's it's certainly less complex. I saved a little bit of of, of water. The mouthfeel got a little bit lighter. Well, yeah, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's not always the case. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess to alcohol might be technically lighter than water. It's uh, it's very smooth. I would I would call it almost buttery smooth. Yes, it's, it's yeah. definitely got a creamy... It's very, it's I'd very... Go, yeah, yeah, I'd, it's I'd creamy go with that smooth. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say a little of the banana comes out in the flavor, too, with it wet, where I wasn't getting that before. Not enough that I'm disliking it, because I mentioned before, I'm not a banana fan. It's not turning me off. It's more like banana flavor, like, quote, banana flavor than actual bananas. See, I'd go the other way. Banana yeah. flavor offends me more than actual yeah. bananas does. It's kind of a, a mix of flavors, I suppose. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like bananas and brown sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just took a glance at the bottle, and, and I was going to make a guess at the, that the oak was a, was a sherry oak, and, and it is. It's, mm. The sherry is coming out a little bit more with the wet to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as in the barrels were used for sherry first? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I noticed that more pronounced in the Glen Morangis that I've tried. Yes. They're also wonderful. Um, I mean, in terms of things, I have it says exclusively matured in selected sherry oak casks. So that be why this has a deeper color than the other. I, I would. I would. Well, that could also be caramel color that, added. I mean, well, it's, it's hard to know. But sherry ones do tend to be a little bit more on the amber side, um, from experience. It, uh, I, I would say that the previous use of the cask does affect the color. I've tried uh, a certain kind of tequila that was also matured in a sherry cask, and it's pink. Okay. And it's delicious. It's good. It's also pretty expensive. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> as, as any good tequila is. I mean, that's compared to, you know. It would fit in well in this podcast. Yeah. But it's Well, it, it's if you did like a, like a non-scotch, scotch tasters taste non-scotch well, it, show. The Extreme Tasting League has plans to branch out, and that's why the our, the Extreme Tasting League Scotch versus the Extreme Scotch League, gotcha. uh, which was one original thought. Um, I mean, the thought of doing a wine podcast has been tossed about a couple of times. Uh, neither Dave nor I think we would be responsible enough to do both podcasts on a regular <laughs> basis, uh, not to mention the fact there's only so much time to, to edit the podcast I have and right. still have right. a social life. and. As much as I'd love to have a, a network of podcasts going on that, that I'm in charge of and doing stuff, 
Uh, as long as this is volunteer and I'm not getting paid and we're not getting any donations yet, which I'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, we're, uh, we're probably not going to be able to do that. Um, I'm looking to find some people to be interested in doing it, but uh, someone would have to you know, edit as well. So, and then there's a the question of, does all the recording happen here, and the mic stays here, or does the mic shift around with the podcast, and, yeah. and so there, there's a bunch of questions, but we, we do have every intention of branching out. I've got mm-hmm. another friend um, who I talked to uh, over St. Patty's Day that was interested in, in doing a podcast um, that would be basically any brown liquor of any kind, so huh. beers, bourbons, whiskeys, Canadians, cool. um, so, you know, anything in that family, uh, rums, he's, he's not a big fan of, of vodka, he's not a big fan of gin, so basically anything, yeah. anything brownish. Yeah. Um, and then we can, you know, basically stay away from the scotch if he comes on with us, but we, we yeah. talked about, we're not sure where, where, where we're going to go with that, but uh, we, we had thought about expanding the, the brands. I, I have a couple so. of ideas I can, I can offer as well later. So, but... Uh, well, let me ask you, unless you're, unless you're not done with that topic. No, I... What do you think... I think the, the first one is more clearly identifiable to me flavor-wise as a scotch. If I tasted that, I would know without a doubt that it's a scotch. Mm-hmm. How would I know that this one, being slightly uneducated about whiskey as I am, that this one is scotch and not Irish or bourbon? Uh, well, the not bourbon, I, I think it's pretty distinct. Um, the corn alcohols, you know, and bourbon in particular, have a particular underlying sweetness, as you'd expect from something, you know, High fructose corn syrup is what it is for a reason. Mm-hmm. They they've got a different kind of sweet. Um, a rye whiskey has a very distinct flavor to it. Yes. Um, scotches are generally not a rule. I found but generally malt, and malt also has a fairly distinct flavor as different from grain, which is your main difference between Irish whiskeys and Scotch whiskeys. Um, so if I had them side by side, I would totally know. Generally speaking, yes. Blind taste tests, people who, who know their stuff can do it with ease. Um, there are certain... Well, obviously they know, but... Well, uh, there, there are certain um, scotches that are very, very close to an Irish whiskey, and there are certain Irish whiskeys that... Uh, well, we've had some Irish scotches on, actually, Irish single malt whiskeys. Technically, if they're not in Scotland, they're not right. scotches, but... Uh, on this podcast, we've done uh, Irish Scotch style whiskey. We, we've done uh, Irish Scotch style whiskey. We've done a couple of Indian Scotch style whiskeys and Japanese, Japanese Scotch style <laughs> whiskey. Um, we've tasted in the club uh, a Welsh one. Uh, there is a Tasmanian one I'm very yeah, interested in trying that I will be buying the next time my liquor mm-hmm. store does the sale. Okay. Um, because the Ooh. cheapest that comes in is 150 And wow. so that 15% wow. discount. Key. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, and there's a number of scotches, uh, well, non-scotch scotches that you can get at Merlin's Rest because uh, they try to branch out and do uh, a broad range of whiskeys as well. And so, to not have to buy a whole bottle of something that I'm worried about because th- this is the thing: non-scotch scotches mature differently because they're not on the Scottish Isles. The Irish Scotch whiskeys. Tasted very, very similar. I mean, I, I couldn't tell the difference really in terms of the flavor. So, what affects that? Since it's just not in Scotland, what's the difference? Is it atmospheric? Is Climate, it, yes, it's wow. very atmospheric. Wow. Um, also, probably the wood, where the wood came from, too. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. the wood can be shipped. And so, I mean, a, a lot of the Scottish barrels are American oak. 
Mm-hmm. And so obviously, it, most of them are used bourbon casks from uh, right. Uh, right. predominantly Jim Beam, actually, for, mm-hmm. for a number of, of distilleries. But, um, for instance, the, the Amrut, the Indian scotches, don't have age statements. Mm-hmm. Technically, to be considered a scotch whiskey, you have to age in the wood at least three years. But that's it, three. Mm-hmm. Most of the Amruts that we tasted were probably... <clears throat> somewhere in the three to five year range, but they tasted like 10 to 12 year wow. because the high heat basically, ages it faster. So it basically makes all the chemical processes happen more quickly? Right. Oh, okay. It's a chemistry thing. Um, you know, the Japanese scotches, because again, island and a little bit more mm-hmm. ocean, mm-hmm. you know, regulated temperature, um, have age statements similar to scotch whiskeys and age at roughly the same rate. Interesting. And so I'm guessing that the Tasmanian one would as well. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to giving that one a dance. The, the Welsh one, which again you'd think would um, age the same, uh, it's just, I don't know if it was grain or. It didn't go over well with the group as a whole. Hmm. Um, but it was it was an interesting experience. Yeah. I'm glad we had it. Yeah. Glad I didn't buy the bottle myself. <laughs> um, and I think poor Darren got stuck with it. But he's the one who bought it. So. I think he bought it on his week because he knew it was an experiment and what have you. So that's still a learning experience. Still a learning experience. Um, and and there's nothing wrong with getting uh, a Scotch style whiskey outside of things. There's actually a Canadian firm uh, in Nova Scotia that I am trying to have a Canadian friend of mine send me some some uh, whiskeys from because while they have. Um, uh, distribution rights in the United States. Uh, the closest place that I can get their base whiskey, which is the only one they're selling across the border right now, is Madison. Hmm. And so, unless I have a reason to go four and a half hours away, um, yeah. So, Chicago's got a couple places that sell it, and then there's a few East Coast places, but I'm, I'm working on getting, what? I happen to have friends in the werewolf park who come from Madison for the game. Ah, well, it's I, possible they could bring you a bottle if you really want. If I, I'll have to look up what would not uh, be hard. What, what, what store? Nice the, they would do it. The, the, the trick is, like I said, it's it's their base distiller, uh, the base expression from the distillery, and um, the AON podcast people um, had a Canadian guest on recently, and he brought down the uh, the distillery's ice wine barrel finished. Expression <laughs> that sounds which delicious. is to to the knowledge of that distillery that is unique in the world. They are the only place that has wow. ever done that. And unfortunately, the bottle is a 250 milliliter and not a 750 milliliter mm-hmm. bottle. And the cheapest that bottle comes in in American dollars is like 40 bucks. So translated to American sized bottle, that's a 120 dollar bottle of scotch. Right. Um, Needless to say, I want one badly. <laughs> they teased me, you bastards. You finished the bottle before I could get oh. over there. Oh, no, they made sure they finished it on the podcast. Like, ha, ha, serious. I'm like, thanks for the shout-out, you bastards. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm glad you guys turned me on to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I've got Canadian friends in, in Toronto that are uh, looking to hook me up. So i just got to figure out how to get it mailed across the border oh, and not get right. it stopped. I've got so, a connection in Montreal. <laughs> so, yep. So I, I, I got to get a hold of it. Uh, well, we'll put it out there. If you, if you guys have Canadian friends, uh, Glen Breton is the name of the of the bottle. The distillery is uh, Glenora. So if you guys want to look that up, uh, find some place who lives in a city where they 
uh, can get the stuff. Uh, highly recommended from the AON folks. So thanks for the heads up, guys. Uh, so what we want to oh, pretentious reading of the notes. Uh, it's just on the box. Th th this uh, didn't come in in, in, a, in a box. Um, this was donated to the show by Dan. Thank you for bringing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to read what's on the bottle. Our unfaltering obsession with selecting exceptional oak casts and distilling sublime spirits brings an unsurpassed, timeless quality to the Macallan. Distilled at the Macallan Distillery in Speyside, Scotland, this legendary single malt is exclusively matured in selected sherry oak casts from Yoris, Spain, for a minimum of 12 years. This results in a satisfyingly rich and complex single malt. So, absolutely no flavor no, whatsoever. So, uh, but it's space side. Well, that just so, says the region they're well, from. You said earlier that the space side ones are. are they tend to be vague. Yeah, the the box might so have had. Pay attention. I'm trying yeah. to educate myself. And, and, and of course, reading the front of the bottle says Highland Single Malt Whiskey. Uh, basically, Highland encompasses everything that's not Elay. Yeah, I've seen space side that called something separate, and I've called space seen space side called like a a subsection of Highlands. Yeah. So. It, uh, I've seen four divisions, I've seen eight, I've seen six, basically any number. Yeah, the, 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 the classic breakdown that we are using on the podcast is the regions that count <laughs> are Lowland, Highland, Speyside, Elay, Campbellton, and, I and Island. Island. Okay. Because each of the islands is its own thing. They, yeah. they, they, they're not even comparable to themselves. Right. Uh, Isle of Skye is different from Isle of Jura, is different from Orkney. Um, the two Orkneys are very alike in terms of things. Uh, I prefer one over the other, but the islands are their own thing. And the islands are oftentimes grouped into highlands as well. When, when the breakdown of the Classic Four throws out Campbellton and, and right. Island, and yeah. throws them both into Highland. Actually, Campbellton might get thrown into Lowland, I take that back. Um, Campbellton, we only had one selection. Uh, it did not go over well with us. Uh, it is the lowest rated scotch that the Scotch Club did. Mm -hmm. Uh, it might have been a bad bottle, in fairness. Well, it's a small region. It doesn't have a whole lot of distilleries, though, does it? It's not. So. And, and the 21-year is is Perrin. Uh, mentioned him earlier. Uh, it's his favorite. The 21-year is the favorite he's, he's ever had. Mm. Um, and he only had a small pour of it. He, he did not buy the bottle himself. Um, and he's only had it once. Yeah. And he's had several more scotches since then. So while he continues to call it his favorite in his brain, he, he is openly admitting the last time I spoke to him that... Uh, He'd like to reassess it at some yeah. point, but that's a pricey reassessment. <laughs> uh, at, at some point, Perrin, I'll get that 21 and I'll have you back on the show. Right. Um, there's another uh, Campbellton distillery, um, Glen Scotia, I think, is is that one, that uh, we might try as well. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we have a uh, Springbank, was the one that we had. And so Springbank 15, uh, try at your own risk. We did not like it. Mm. Um but we'll, we'll, we'll certainly give another dance. But, uh, yeah, the, the highlands I've seen broken down into, like, north, west, and east. And so, yeah, there, there's lots of different ways to break it down. I have not paid enough attention to the north, west, and east thing to be able to say, oh, here's the distinct flavor profile of each of those three, so I don't know that it's worth the breakdown. Yeah. Space side different from highland? Yeah, that one I definitely generally taste. Yeah, this this definitely falls on the space side, but it's... Highland-esque for, for a space side. It's not straight space side. So, gotcha. in fairness on that score, for those paying attention mm -hmm. uh, to what we rated before. 
So uh, let's do some numbers, and I'm going to go last. I guess I'll go first this time. Um, I, I suppose I'm, I'm one for consistency tonight. Uh, I would probably give this one a, a four and a quarter again. While the uh, taste isn't quite as distinct as the Colila uh, to and from uh, adding water to, to the uh, scotch, yeah. it's very smooth. I could see it pairing really well with any number of kinds of food. And I would certainly buy this bottle again. I, I really enjoyed it. So four and a quarter for me. I think I might go for a four. If I had to go four and a quarter, I think I'd have to bump the other one up to four, seven, five. Um, this is like, when I imagine what scotch should taste like, this is totally what I imagine. So I'm enjoying this very much. I don't want to sound like I'm not. Um, well, you're giving it a four. I mean, right. three I mean, being average. That's true. That's true. This, it's, so. I mean, it's well above average. But I do have to like, you know, shame my Highland ancestors by saying, I, I just think I like, I think I just like the... Is it Ela? Am I saying it right? Ela. Yeah. Ela. I think I just yeah. like the Ela style better. I think I like the complexity of having the more smoky, the more peaty, the more herbal. I think it gives me more stuff to pay attention to. Because this is very good. I was thinking, hmm, this is nice. This is very good. But that one, I was just like, oh my god, this is awesome. There's so a whole plethora of flavors there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's made me happier. But four, four and a quarter. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be the slight dissenter here. I'm only gonna give it a three nine. Um, four is the I must have this on my shelf. Um, okay. start for Fair myself enough. and this is close it's almost there it's good I understand why Jesse has this rated above four you're disappointed in um, you're making sense yeah well I do that a lot <laughs> um, the lack of complexity I think is really what gets me here mm-hmm. the, the fact that the the nose I could pick a few things out but the fact that I was having such a, a hard time finding flavor on the palate means that I'm just drinking an alcoholic beverage and I'm not going to be savoring the flavor the same level that I did with the Colila. Uh, it's certainly good. It, it's certainly smooth. It's got some flavor, but it's it's quieter and it's it's less complex. And and while I couldn't identify it personally in terms of nailing down here's what I'm tasting, I certainly can't complain about it. And it's certainly superior to a number of the other scotches we've had on here. I, I would certainly choose this. Uh, above the Glenfiddich 12 or the, wow. or the Glenlivet 12. Wow. So comparing the you know the 12s to 12s. But Colila is also a 12, and, and that one, yeah. hands down, far superior to me. But, you know, this is bottle number three or four of Colila for me, so uh, it's got a special place. Yeah, yeah this, this I, one... I'm sorry. I, I, I would say Colila is the go-to for me in the same way the McAllen is for, for Jesse, the Highland Park is for Darren. And that uh, the Glenfiddich above twelve here is for Dave. Yeah, yeah. This one, like, I had like three or four things I could say about this, and that was it. And this one was he's coming up with new stuff. The, the Kalila, some new, new, mm-hmm. new flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were talking to people, the McAllen is what I would pick. But if I had, to, but if I'm taking Kalila and I'm talking to people, I'd be like, shut up for a second. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Okay, now you may speak. You know. Yeah. The, the Kalila is definitely the one that I enjoy personally, and, and while I'm on bottle three of it, it's it's the one that I save for. I'm going, I, and on any given night when I want a scotch, like I said, I've, I've mentioned before, when I'm sitting and reading or, or doing other things, the Kalila is for when I've got the time to savor what I'm drinking on top of doing whatever else I'm doing. I wouldn't give this to just anybody. This, I would, the, the McAllen, I'd give it to anybody. The Kalila, <laughs> I wouldn't give it to just anybody. I'd be like, really? Okay, well, I'll, we'll, I'll, see, we'll I, see about I, you now. I'm, curious, I'm, I'm honestly curious how the McAllen would... would pair with a steak. Yeah. Colila would take a little more thought and, and yeah. effort, but I would yeah. certainly be interested in trying that with a meal as well. Yeah. For me, that, that's part of the appeal, I think, yeah, is, is I how, it would, how it would match with either a proper meal or, or snack food or mm-hmm. some other yeah. sort of activity. 
Cole Ela, perfect around a fire. Yeah. Fire outside. That would be magnificent. (laughs) For that purpose. Yeah, but I, I, I still got to talk to Neil. He when he was on the podcast with us, uh, Neil from the Tim Lloyd, mm-hmm. two of you here and those listening at home, uh, go listen to episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, he suggested that we needed to go to Irish on Grand, get a couple of peat logs, and do a bonfire towards the tail end of the summer. So yeah. I think what I'm going to do, since since I know that Johnny is busy with Ren Fair, um, we might have to wait until Ren Fair season's over, and I, we'll have to see if. Neil wants to do an October bonfire. I got, I got to poke him and see if yeah, if he uh, remembers that he even made the suggestion <laughs> to uh, to get that together and do a couple of good boggy, peaty yeah. uh, scotches around the bonfire. It'll probably be scotches we've already done. It'll be a special edition because we'll be recording outside with random noise. And, and uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see if we can get that going eventually. So. Reaping Scotch around a fine Irish bonfire. I'm interested in this as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll definitely have to see uh, who can come out. And, and and basically, it was going to be Tim Malloy fans, I think, we were going to get together and, and try to do this thing. So, so we're nearing the wrap-up here. Uh, generally, every show, uh, we ask a question of our guests just to do some sort of geeky thought experiment. And fuck with well, Yes. It's serious. What were you expecting? This is me. And so uh, the question I have this week for the two of you is, what character from classical Gre- uh, Greco-Roman mythology would you be? Someone to choose from. And I knew what the question was going to be, and I haven't really thought it through much either. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's say it's, uh, ordinarily I would like put Dave on the spot and say, all right, Dave, go. But... Uh, Oh, I, 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 I know there are a lot of characters that I say that I enjoy reading about, and there's characters that I think there are aspects of. Well, I see, Celtic on it. Well, Celtic would be cheating, like walking right into your hot spot. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, your name's Diana. I'm just going to go with, yeah, no, 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 no Diana. Well, I do identify with Diana somewhat. I really do. Because um, there's this image of her as the virginal as in non-sexual chaste goddess but if you go to the older myths she does have lovers she just isn't attached to them she isn't possessed by any of them she's not married so in that sense she's virgin um and i really do relate to the you know i'm gonna interact with men in a you know an intimate way but not be you know subservient to some extent plus running around the woods in short skirt is fun there's that no i don't know about the short skirt part for me I always found them constricting my movement, but um, only a tight short skirt. You have to have a flowy, like 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 a toga kind of short skirt. Well, right, I, I, that that would work or better. A, or a, or a, that was less Rocky appropriate, and I only wear skirts to Rocky, so I can't I can't think of the name of the the dress in Greek now. I had some scotch. So. Yeah, I'm not a fashion person, so I can tell you anyway. Yeah, poor Dan. No um, <laughs> one Christian in the room. Well, this is why I knew that, that asking this question was going to be playing more to me and Diet than to you. And it was going to be yeah, you could say, you say or biblical. No, a Greek myth is still valid. The Bible was written in Greek at one point. It's translated yes. Greek, so you can let it stretch One of many languages. Yes, exactly. Yes, but if, but if I say what mythological figure would you identify with, you know, and you wanted to go that direction. That's a little too broad. That's, that's, that's one too broad, and then that's the whole, oh, but it's a myth. Right. But uh, in terms of things, I, as mischievous as I am, part of me kind of needs to go either like young Hermes or uh, Pan. Um, <laughs> I can see that. 
Yeah, well, see, I, I figured you'd, you'd, you'd go with that on, on either score. Like, none of, the, none of the main gods really suit me. None of the demigods are really calling to me much. So I think it's, it's got to be a minor deity. I try and stand good terms with Pan. Don't tell him he's a minor deity, though. Well. He's not Olympian. Right. But he ain't minor. Fair is fair. But. He'll show you how minor he is. Oh, no, he's, he's <laughs> gotten in my brain more than once. <laughs> Well, pick pick what you'd be in, in, in your own ethos and then translate well, it. No, I'm Greek works fine for me. I'm a fan yeah. of Greek myth. All right. I wouldn't be able to have this conversation on Celtic myth because yeah, Cal- Cal- I know very little next to nothing of Celtic stuff. Yeah, Cal- Celtic, I... A little more obscure. Yeah. You learned it in school. Yeah, I'd have some... Whereas, yeah, Greek myth, I was... Yeah, I, I've read Greek myth. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, but I've read it. Um, I don't know. I know anyone that I served in the military with is going to call bullshit on this, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of sympathize, I guess, with Odysseus the whole, or the whole the whole Odyssey concept. Mm-hmm. The being torn from your home for you know acts of God for a really long period of time. Lots of adventures. Uh, military, 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 yeah, military friends would, would call shit would call bullshit on it, but well, it, I, I sympathize with that. It, 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 it says something to me. It, 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 I guess it depends on on the level of of what someone interprets saying. Odysseus means right. So I mean, you're talking about the, you know, unwanted but necessary journey where you did eventually end up back home, right. had some great adventures on the way, learned a lot, mm-hmm. and came home a stronger person for it. And so, you know, yeah. I, I I see where you're going with that, mm-hmm. having known you before yeah. and after. Sure. So that and well, when we pulled into the Greek island Crete, yeah, the strip club there was called Medusa's. But... <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. That, that's Perseus. That's that's... Yeah. It's in the right region. Right region. Well, yeah. I get Would you call yourself particularly wily? When properly motivated. Because then sure. that's the constant descriptor of Odysseus, is wily Odysseus. Yeah. This is, this is true. My first night in a bar in Crete involved playing with fire. That's how I learned about it, so it was fun. <laughs> nice. That's the only way you should use it, though, is to light enough fire. But that's, you know, and, we had, and we had a drink called the Gas Chamber, which is pretty awesome, too. Yeah. So. That, that's a different podcast. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it, though. Anyway, uh, I guess that pretty much wraps it up. So uh, did either of you come up with a toast that you want to close out with, or do you, you got to put me on the spot, you bastards? Come up with a toast. I didn't bring booze. I didn't come up with a toast. All right. Well, let me let me see if I can pull one from the old Johnny repertoire. Um, how blue do I want to go? Let's see. I'll save that one for another time. Oh fuck it, we'll do this one. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's the woman who wears red shoes, <laughs> smokes all my pot, and drinks all my booze. She's not a virgin, but hey, that's no sin. She still has the box the cherry came in. Swancha. Swancha.